Well, I had a plan. When I knew that I was going to have the opportunity to preach for several Sundays, I thought I knew what I was going to be preaching on this morning. At the end of August last year, I gave a lesson on uh, a practical tip for growing closer to God and feeling good about it. And through the development of that lesson, I just thought, I just can't end it here. And I, I ended up with an outline of several lessons that I hoped at some point that I would get to bring the church. And so when that opportunity came about to preach for several Sundays, I thought I knew the lesson that I was going to be bringing you this morning. Lesson number two in the series of practical tips on how you grow closer to God and feel good about it. And then God changed my mind. No, there was not a voice down from heaven. There was not an inner voice in my ear that, you know, that was strange to me that said, Jeff, change your lesson topic. But I do believe that God speaks to us. And I don't deny that he could speak from the clouds or speak to you in your inner ear. He just has not done that to me. But through his word, through I believe the prodding of the Holy Spirit that leaves in me and, and things that God puts in my life change my mind. And that change really came about from a single scripture that was referenced in a book that I have been reading called The Broken but Beautiful Church and Why Church is Still Relevant Today by Joseph Conway. Uh, this is a new book. It's not one of those oldie but goodies that everybody needs to read growing up. It was published in 2020 and it's not all about the pandemic. But it is about Joe's life growing up, the things that he has experienced and what he really sees as a broken but beautiful church. I have seen and, and, and I have felt the same way many times. I, I get what Joe is talking about with a broken but beautiful church. And I think to my fault that I have been concentrating way too much on the first piece, the broken piece. It's been, it's been far before the pandemic that I have felt myself on occasion drifting away from the church. So I'm not blaming COVID. Yeah, I think over the last 10 months that maybe COVID has elevated those feelings. There's been some angst that might have uh, brought on that feeling of, of distancing myself, but I can't use that as an excuse. The truth is, sometimes I get weary of broken. Sometimes weary is heavy. And that includes my own brokenness, because certainly I am part of the church of Christ. But God put some things in my life that kind of pulls me back. The first is my wife. A shepherd's wife goes through a lot. <laughs> she puts up with a lot. She's a real comfort to me. And in the last many months, I can tell you that Cindy Pavey has really been a true sister in Christ to me. She lets me be the church with her. And sometimes what I appreciate about her is she just tells me what I need to hear, even if it's brutally honest. She's kept me tethered. And Jerry Ford has this unique way with me to just send me a text or an email of encouragement when I really, really need it. And folks, there's, there's been many others. I, I just bring up those three to tell you that God will put people in your life to keep you tethered to the church. Well, what about that one scripture I was talking about? You know, if there was one, was for one book in the Bible that I have uh, read from the most 
I think studied the most, certainly taught from the most in, in, in my 30 plus years as being a Christian, it's the book of Acts. If there was text that I was familiar with, or, or maybe that I thought I had pretty good grip on, it would be Luke's account to Theophilus. And yet God is amazing in the way that he will take something that you think, you know, and show you something new and valuable. If we were playing Bible trivia and the question was, what did Jesus say to Saul on the road to Damascus? Many of you would be able to get that answer right without the help of Google Siri or Alexa. Am I right? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Acts chapter nine and verse four. You see, Paul is really, Saul is really bent on destroying the church of Jesus. Let me just reference a couple of things related to that. In Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 9, just a couple of sentences here. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. And then in Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Saul was on his way to Damascus to find people who followed Jesus and put them in jail. Um, but Jesus had already been crucified. He'd already been resurrected by the power of God. He had uh, been that resurrected and he had already ascended. Saul was not persecuting Jesus physically. And yet Jesus asked Saul, why do you persecute me? He did not say, Saul, why are you persecuting those who believe in me? Saul, why are you persecuting those that follow me? He said, why do you persecute me? You see, Jesus had already grown so close to the church. He was so close to his followers that an attack on them was an attack on Jesus himself. Maybe you've said something like this, or you've seen it uh, in a movie. You mess with me. You mess with my family. Sometimes an attack on our family is more harsh than an attack on, on, on our own being. Uh, unlike Jesus, I was incredibly unkind to my sister in high school. I still affectionately call her the troll. But there was a rare occasion where she had a boyfriend because frankly, she's pretty homely and she didn't smell good. But on those rare occasions where she had a boyfriend, I could tell you, I was extremely protective of her. The fact is I loved her. Still do today. I didn't want any harm to come to her deep down. I cared deeply about the troll. I think we need to understand that Christ has drawn so close to us already, no matter where we are at, he is drawn near to us. I wonder if through adversity, through those wanderings in the wilderness, Rod, that if we individually and sometimes as a church lose focus on how close Jesus has already drawn to us. I know that I have. I know that I have forgotten that sometimes. And, and to him who is my Lord and Savior, I am sorry. And to you, the church, whom I love, I'm sorry. You know, some of you drive me absolutely crazy. And I'm, I'm looking at the clock, so I didn't make eye contact with anybody when I said that. Oh no, he's looking at me. But I can tell you that I still love you, even if you drive me crazy. 
I underline this in my notes for the lesson today. We cannot underestimate how much Christ believes in and loves his church, even though we are broken, flawed, far from perfect. If there is a relationship that God has given us on earth where we are meant to be that close, it's marriage. God intended the relationship with our spouse to be close, intimate, something precious and special, unique even. That relationship on earth is to be above all other relationships we have. And I say on earth, right? Yes, our relationship with God is is more important. But on earth, that relationship that we have with our spouse is the most important relationship that we have. So much so that Paul speaks about that relationship in Ephesians chapter 5. So if you have your Bible, I'm going to read a short text from Ephesians chapter 5. While he is talking about the relationship between husband and wife, he is also giving an illustration of how Christ feels about his bride, the church. I'm going to start reading in Ephesians 5 and verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle in any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. Yes, church, we can be messy, dirty, but God sees us through what Jesus does for us. Look at some of the words and and your words may vary depending on the, on the version that you're, you're reading, but what do we become? We become radiant, shiny, clean, without blemish, holy. That's pretty cool. Let me read a couple of pieces from uh, Joe's book here, Broken But Beautiful, because because I think he says it better than I can. Uh, Here Mr. Conway explains who we are and how Christ views us. Jesus is smitten with the church. Side note for all of you who have not encountered the word smitten. That means likes a lot. Very attracted to. Jesus is smitten with the church. He loves the church, his bride. Her weaknesses do not scare him away. Her sins do not make him reconsider his vows. Some say that the church has lost her way. Some can't get past her brokenness. I agree in many ways. Yet I contend that Jesus is still in love with her. Just deep down, I wonder at times how God can love us, how he can love me. Then I consider the extent to which Jesus pursued us. I consider the overwhelming grace and excessive forgiveness of Jesus. Jesus is crazy about his church. Jesus is crazy about you. The church, though, is cheated on Jesus. We thought he wasn't looking when we committed adultery with the gods of this world. We violated our vows. I wouldn't blame him if he left, but he didn't leave. He doesn't leave. More than that, he loves us more than ever. He forgave us. Jesus kept on loving us. Christ refuses to turn on his bride. His love is that good. His love is that strong. There are three relevant points for me taken out of of what I've studied 
in his book and related that to the scripture that talks about how Jesus views us. The first point, as much as I want to get away from broken, I can't, I won't, and I shouldn't, and neither should you. Jesus actually calls us to work together to be less broken as part of his church. You had some time, you might want to take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to list out a few other things that I think Christ calls us to do as part of his church. And I know sometimes when preachers list off a whole bunch of things, they also put the scripture up on the board. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to leave that up to you. It's like homework. You know, I love to assign homework. So I'm going to list off a bunch of things, a bunch of attributes that I think that we need to have as part of a broken church. And and you test me. You go and you find if this comes from God's word. I think that we are to bear with one another. I think we are to take care of one another. I think we are to lift each other up. I think that we are to think of others in the church more highly than we think of ourselves. I think we are to confess to one another. I think that we are to forgive one another. We need to listen carefully to each other. We have to be willing to change our minds. We need to be involved with broken. Now, if you're not part of the church, if you're not a Christian, you may say, I don't know where that sign up sheet is for that, but I am walking, running the other way. I don't want to be involved in broken. Well, consider point number two, please. If you are not part of Christ's church, you are missing out on how God looks at you. We're all broken, but take a look at the text that we just read. When Paul says, this is the way that God looks at you because of what Jesus has done. If you are not in Christ, you are not in his church. But people who are in God's church are those who have said, Lord, I confess that Jesus is your son. I confess that I have sinned and I want to be cleansed. Those who are in God's church have been baptized for the forgiveness of their sins and have given their life over to Jesus. Notice what I didn't say. I didn't say those who study the book of Hebrews for five years and can quote it. They're Christians. Notice what I didn't say. I didn't say those who get their act together first can become Christians. Those who never make a mistake, those are Christians. Boy, if that was the case, it'd be a pretty tiny church, people. God takes in the broken because Jesus made us free from sin. God takes in the broken, and because of Jesus, we are holy before him. We are that shining, radiant, without blemish bride. You know, if you are not 100% sure today, and it doesn't matter if you're in the auditorium here or if you're, if you're worshiping with us online, if you are not 100% sure that you are in Christ, find somebody today that is sure and ask them about being saved because today can be the day of salvation for you. Today can be the day that you become clean without blemish before God because of Jesus. We want you to join. Jesus' broken but beautiful church. Point number three, and probably most important, 
Jesus will not leave the church despite your and my brokenness. He sees that we are beautiful despite our flaws. He has already grown so close to us that when the church is called out, Jesus answers. When the church falls down, Jesus picks us up. When we sin, Jesus forgives us. First John 4, 9 says this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. We cannot be that close without knowing that Jesus put us there without believing that he is the one. My lessons over the next few every other Sundays are going to focus on what I hope are practical tips for drawing closer to God and feeling good about it. But I know that I cannot, and I don't think we can forget through these lessons. It's so helpful to keep in mind the closeness that Jesus already desires to have with us. The lessons will be personal, direct, I hope encouraging, but challenging. So fair warning. If you don't like lessons that speak directly to you, you might not like a lot of what I have to say. But you're also free to bring a mirror. As I'm speaking to you, hold it up so that I can see myself. I think I get extra points today because I have a pretty short lesson. I can't guarantee they will all be that short. But as we end the lesson today, I do want to go to God in prayer and thank him for the closeness that Jesus has with us. Father God, you are that awesome God. And I know I say that word frequently in prayer and it just never brings about the true meaning of who you are. Our words will always fall short when we try to put you in a box with words. So, Father, we just, we just gave you our hearts. We are before your throne thanking you for this day, for the love of Jesus. Uh, Father, it's a love that we too often uh, neglect, that we don't take advantage of in the right way. And maybe there's times, Father, where with that love and that closeness, we take advantage of it in the wrong ways. Let us be a people that recognize the true gift of Jesus. Uh, and for those who do not know him, I pray, Father, that they will, they will learn about him and that they will become part of his church forevermore. And for those people, Father, who have walked away from that closeness, uh, we know that Jesus wants that closeness. Um, Help those people draw back to him, repenting, asking for forgiveness, because Jesus is there to make us holy in your sight, Father. There's a lot of things going on in this world, Lord, and we know that you draw close to people that we might not even be aware of. And And I think of our daily prayer email that we got this morning and the people in India that that are going through a lot of persecution because they have decided to follow Jesus. Um, That prayer was was intent to bring our hearts low, Father, to wonder how we can reach out and help those that you are close to already that we might not even know about. Let us continue in prayer, Father, but also be people of action, people of devotion to your ways. Let us not grow weary of doing good. Father, I thank you for the church. I thank you for the way that it builds me up. And when needed, draws me back when I wander away. Father, again, I'm sorry for those times. And I I pray for fortitude and strength to stay close to the one who has already become so close that he gave his life for me. He gave his life for his church, Father.
We love you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for your time. May you have a blessed.